Good morning, everybody. It's nice to be with you again. We have an interesting uh, topic this morning, of course. It's one that's really personal, actually, and dear to our hearts. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at a few things about it. Of course, we cannot exhaust this topic in one morning. Um, we could be here for a long time if we tried to. I don't think you could ever exhaust it. Um, and so this morning, I want to look at uh, the topic, Son, the Son of God. And... Uh, I said it's a personal topic, it's personal because we all know him personally. Hopefully that's your, your place this morning, that you really know who he is in a personal way. He's the greatest friend uh, to sinners, greatest friend to believers, <laughs> and uh, we, we know him uh, personally because of what he's done for us and the impact he's had in our life and how he's changed us. And our whole life is a life of becoming more and more like him. And so that's the privilege that we have now. And uh, in looking at this topic, I'm going to read. Um, I thought I was going to do that. Huh, this worked before. There we go. So this is what's on your, your website. And it's a, a, a statement. The Lord Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man from eternity past to eternity future. He is the Son of God, begotten by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, perfect, sinless. He died sacrificially as our substitute for our salvation and justification. He rose bodily from the dead and ascended to his Father's right hand, where he now ministers as our great high priest. There's a lot in those, that statement there. But it's all truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, one of the things that's, that sometimes is hard to understand about the Son of God is from he's truly God, truly man, from eternity past to eternity future, he is the Son of God. Eternity past to eternity future, he is the Son of God. He never became the Son of God. He has always been. And he will never stop being the Son of God. He will always be. And uh, we're going to look at that this morning. So, um, let's start in uh, Genesis chapter 1. There's a reason I want to go here. I want to start in the beginning. Because he actually shows up in the, in the, in, uh, the early pages of Genesis. And uh, I'd like to look at him there. Um, Genesis chapter 1, and we'll just start in the very, very beginning, we're first one. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So that's, that's a statement about what God did. And it says, um, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So this is the first creative act we have, and it says God did this, but um, who is this God? And if we, let's just go down to verse 26 and see what it says here. 
<clears throat> then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky. So God is speaking. He said, let us make man <clears throat> in our image and in our likeness. And if you notice uh, the way God is talking about himself, it's, he's using a plural form. He said, let us and in our our image and our likeness. Let us make man. Who's speaking? Have you thought? I'm sure you've thought of that. But it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit deciding. God had a, a plan, and they're saying, God is saying, we're going to make man in our image <clears throat> and in our likeness. So <clears throat> right in the early pages of Genesis, Jesus Christ shows up. He's in the term God, God the Son, but he's also in, in this one we see, let us make man in our image. God the Son is there. <clears throat> so this was just an introduction to where I want to go because now it's going to hopefully make more sense. Let's go to John chapter 1. And sometimes it's hard to understand um, some of the New Testament, unless you really have a grasp on some of the things in the Old Testament. In the first couple of chapters of John, there's 55, or I think it's 55 references to the Old Testament. So if, if a person really doesn't know what the Old Testament is saying, the book of John doesn't make very much sense. So. We've just read a few things, so now let's look at John chapter 1 and see what, um, what we read here that concerns the Son. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing that came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or the darkness did not overcome it or overpower it. So here we have, in the beginning was the Word, and John is talking about the Son, and he calls him the Word. God spoke everything into being, and uh, by his Word, everything was made, and the Word was with God. He was there, and the Word was God, one and the same. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So without the Son, without Jesus Christ, nothing came into being. He was there. He is the creator of everything. And then he says, he was the light of men. This term light, um, is used uh, literally and metaphorically in the scriptures. God said in the beginning, let there be light, and there was light, actual physical light. Before there were any light-emitting objects, there was light. God created it, or, and he uh, spoke it into being. And the light shines in the darkness, just as it did in the very beginning. There was darkness covered the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And he made a division between the light, between darkness and light. 
And the darkness didn't prevent the light from shining. It didn't overcome it. It shone and there was light and it dispelled the darkness. So light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not compre comprehend it. And John is talking about Jesus Christ here. He's talking about the sun. He was in the beginning with God. He's the creator of all things. And the light shines and the darkness couldn't overpower it. Christ came into the world and we saw, see his light, the truth about him. And the darkness can't dispel that. Let's just look a little further in John chapter 1 to verse 14 and see what we see there. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. One of the truths about the Son of God is there was a point in history when he came into the world and became, it says here, became flesh, took on hu human form. It's not when he came into existence. He existed e eternally before that, and we saw him, that he's the creator. He was there in creation. So he didn't come into being at this point. He always existed. What happened at this point is he came into humanity as now he took on human form. So it was God in flesh. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. And this is John talking, and he knows this personally. He said he dwelt right here with us. John walked and talked with him. And so he's telling us what, what he experienced, that Jesus Christ was here on the earth as a man. And uh, he dwelt with us. He spoke all things into being. He formed man. Um, we, in, in Genesis, it tells us how God said, let us make man in our image. And out of the dust of the ground, he formed man. And he gave him life. He breathed into him uh, the breath of life. Man became a living being in the image of God. That's what happened in creation. God said, let us make man in our image. Then now, and that's not physically. We're not physically in the image of God because God is a spirit. And we're not physically in the image of God, but we are in the image of God because we have a mind, we have emotions, and we have a will. So we can think, we can choose, and we can feel things, just as God does. That's the image of God. But now something really interesting at this point in history is happening. John's telling us. At this point, God came into the world and he took on the form of man. He formed man out of the dust, but then he came into the world and he took on the form of man. Amazing thing that God took on flesh. He dwelt among us. And John says, we, we saw him. We talked with him. We touched him. He took on this, and this was God in, in the flesh. That's, that's how John introduces us to Christ and his, his gospel, that he was the creator of all things. He was there in the very beginning, but he came into humanity at one point. Um, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And in Philippians, there's another description that the Apostle Paul is giving us. And as he describes 
he's actually teaching about the attitude that believers have, but in doing that, he, he tells us quite a bit about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in verse 5 of chapter 2, <clears throat> he said, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, so that was his form before, he existed eternally in the form of God, as a spirit, as, as God. Did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. So he took on the form of a human, but Paul says it was more than just any human. He took on the form of a bondservant. <clears throat> and being made in the likeness of men, so he looked like a man. He was a man. He was in the likeness of men. Man was created in God's image, but now he said he's in the likeness of men. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that is the central point about the son, is that he was willing to humble himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now what would be the purpose of that? Why, why would he do that? Why was that such an important thing? Um, you know, I'm not even moving this thing. That's why I don't like using PowerPoints. I never remember to use them. <laughs> so God steps into humanity and, and he, um, he came in the image of a man. So he existed in the form of God as Paul told us, took on the form of a bondservant and had the appearance of a man. Because he was a man, he, he, he uh, humbled himself and he became obedient even to death, even death on a cross. That is the central um, focus of the Son of God coming into the world. It was his purpose in coming into the world. And um, Christ had some things to say about himself, and we're going to maybe jump around a little bit if um, that's... Let's go back to John chapter 14. Sometimes we look at, or we may understand Christ in a way that the Bible doesn't actually show him to us. And one of the things the scriptures do for us is they remove wrong thoughts or wrong understanding or lies that we believe. We hear things, and sometimes the things we hear are not true, but we can actually believe those things. And the scriptures renew our mind. They, they fill our mind with truth, and they remove the falsities that are there. Even the falsities that we might have about understanding who the this, this Son is. And, and, um, and sometimes the Son is looked on as being different than the Father and lesser than the Father. But he's not. And so in John chapter 14, um, you, we could actually read the whole chapter and just see what Jesus says about himself. But if we go down to uh, verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So here, Philip was asking the Lord Jesus, show us the Father. Well, what was happening? Um, just in verse 7, he said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip's like, wait a minute. We haven't seen the Father. Show us the Father. And, and the Lord Jesus is telling Philip, you didn't understand my point. You didn't understand what I'm saying. You have seen the Father because you've seen me, and I and my Father are one. Um, he, who has the son, who has, he who has seen me has seen the Father, but how can you say, show me the Father? When Christ was on this earth, um, he came to reveal the Father to us. And if we go back to John chapter 10 and verse 30, he says, I and my Father are one. Now, why was he saying that? In verse 25, Jesus said to them, I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These testify of me, but you do not believe because you are not my, of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I have given eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand, I and my Father are one. So he's saying anybody who belongs to the Lord Jesus is totally secure and safe because they're not only in his hand, but they're in the Father's hand because he said, I and my Father are one. You can't be with me and not be with the Father because we're one. So that they are one. That's one of the things the Lord Jesus wanted us to understand about himself is that he and his Father were one. One in, one in being, one in purpose, one in everything. There was no difference between him and his father. Um, let's go over to um, Colossians. And we'll look in verse in chapter one, at a few verses in chapter one. And Paul again is describing the Lord Jesus Christ for us here. And in verse 15 he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. So when we look at Jesus Christ, we see who God is. He is the image. What does it mean, the image? 
crea in creation, we, we were told in Genesis 1 that we are made in the image of God, but obviously it's not talking about a physical appearance, right? Because God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body. God exists everywhere present at, at one time. We were limited to a body, so that's not what it was saying. I, I explained a little bit about what it was saying, how we, we are created with a mind, a will, and emotions. We can act as God acts in, 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 uh, with these things. We can love because God loves. He's given us the ability to love. He's given us the ability to choose to make decisions. We make decisions. We decide things. And we have intellect. We can hear and understand God's word and make choices based on what we're understanding. <clears throat> the reason he gave us these things is so that we could respond to him in the appropriate way. We could hear his word. Adam could hear God's word. He could listen to it, and he could choose to do it, and he could choose to love God. We are the same. And then he, but then he says here, Paul says here, he is the image of the invisible God. So when we see Jesus Christ, when we look at his life, we're seeing who God is and how he is, how he thinks, and how he acts. None of the actions that Christ did were separate from his Father. He never acted on his own, ever. He always did the will of his Father. So that means everything we see Christ doing is, is what the Father would do. It's, he's a he became a human representative of God on this earth. <clears throat> the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and in invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. This is who Jesus Christ is. He's the creator. He's created all things. We usually don't think of him. We think of God as the creator, but that includes the Son, the Spirit. The Spirit was over the face of the deep, and God was just ready to act and start his creative work. And a lot of times, God, we'll say God created, but we have to realize Jesus Christ created. He was there. The Father created, the, the Spirit created, and Jesus Christ. But it says here, all things were created by him. All things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. <clears throat> the things we see and the things we don't see, they were all created by him. And then it says thrones. <clears throat> um, or dominions, or rulers, or authorities. What are, what are those things that he's talking about? The spirit world that was created. There was a spirit world created. It included Lucifer, and he was the, um, the, called the anointed cherub. It included all the host of angels that were created, and they're, all, they're not all the same, all the spirits that were created. They have different realms of authority and of ability. And Satan was the head over them all. He was the chiefest of all the, of the spirits that were created by God. He was, he was the head. Lucifer was over everything. And, uh, and we're told that it was Jesus Christ that was the creator of all these things. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's, he's the one that's holding everything together. It's by who he is and his power that everything holds together. Why do things not fly apart? Why does, why does everything work in perfect harmony as it has from the beginning of creation? Because he's holding it together. Why does the sun not move off its course? Why does the moon not move? Why do the, why do the galaxies move in precision and not, not ever move away from that? Why is that? It's because Jesus Christ is holding everything together. That gives us a certain amount of confidence in, in him and in what's in the future. I don't have to fear things. Um, one of the things the son came to do was to remove fear from man. Perfect love has cast out fear. When we live in fear, we're not living in, in the love that God intends. When we live in fear, we're not understanding and believing the things that God intends us to believe. Fear has torment. Fear is not an, what, a thing that we're supposed to live under and be controlled by. You will always make a wrong decision if you make a decision based on fear. You will never make a godly decision based on fear. Never. We never do. When, when, I, when we're afraid, we don't think correctly. It, it affects our, our mind and our ability to reason and understand. So, <clears throat> Christ, we have confidence in Christ that he's holding all things together. So when I hear different scenarios about what could happen in the future, I don't fear because I trust Christ and I know he's holding all things together. He has a plan which he's laid out for us and told us, and we can just base our trust on that plan. So that's <clears throat> another thing of the sun, about the sun is that he's the creator and he's the sustainer. And then uh, he's the head of the church. He's, he's the one that we look to. He's the one who the church was born from. He's the one who guides the church. He's the one who's over the church. He's over all of us. He's over the whole group body of believers that, that exist. Um, so that he himself will come to have the first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. That was the Father's good pleasure that in this person, Jesus Christ, while he was here on earth, all the fullness of God would dwell in him. He wasn't lacking anything of God. And so when we looked at Philippians, a lot of people will understand that when it says he, he didn't grasp at anything, he emptied himself, they start to think, well, he wasn't really God then. He somehow gave up being God while he was in human form. Could that be possible? Could it be possible for God to stop being God? Can you stop being a human being? impossible and God determined that even in his body while he was on the earth all the fullness would in him would dwell everything about God would be in him and he would reconcile us to himself let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 
and we're going to read a few verses in this chapter, starting at verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as, as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain, and they all will become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? There's a lot about the sun in this chapter. I don't notice, I don't know if you noticed, <clears throat> as I've been reading different verses about the sun, how much emphasis God puts on the fact that he is from the beginning and he is the creator and sustainer of all things. We often miss this point about the sun, or I did at least, but I think it's that he is the one God has chosen. He was the one who came into humanity. As a human being, he has a special place. The fact that God came into humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, he took on flesh, and even though it, God was veiled in that flesh, when, when people looked at Jesus Christ walking, when John looked at Jesus Christ walking, it wasn't like picture, like the, in their mind they said, oh, that's God in human form. No. They saw a human being. They saw Jesus of Nazareth. They saw the carpenter's son. But the things he did and the things he said began to reveal who he was. And so as John and the other disciples saw Jesus walking on this earth, they began to see the Son of God before them. God in flesh. And then Jesus would say, it's even more than that. You're not just seeing me, you are seeing the Father. I and my Father are one. You cannot help but see me and know the Father. Don't say that you don't know the Father. You know me, so you know the Father. He's revealed himself in me. I never do anything on my own. 
I never say anything of my own. I only say that which the Father would say. I only do that which the Father would have me do. I always do the will of my Father. That's what he was telling them. So if we know Jesus Christ, we know the Father. That's why we call him Father. That's why we pray to him as Father. That's why we go through the name of Jesus Christ to the Father. Sometimes we don't understand what it means to ask something in Jesus' name. Why don't I get everything I said in Jesus' name? Why don't I get everything that I desire if I said in Jesus' name? Because Jesus represents the Father. And the Father is in Jesus Christ. I wouldn't dare take your name and go to one of your relatives and say, well, Brian sent me to you, and he says you should give me $50,000 to help me out. Brian never said that. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not giving a true representation of who that person is to a person. So when I go to the Father, I can, when I'm going in the name of Christ, that I'm going representing him. So I can only ask the things which he would himself ask. That will help you maybe understand why I pray and sometimes I don't get the answers that I want from the Father. I learned this lesson living in a village in, in Ivory Coast because many times people would be sent to me, they wouldn't come personally. They would send someone on their behalf. But that person represented the name of that other person. Whatever they did would reflect on that person. So if they asked something that was not according to what that person had told them to say, they would dishonor that person's name. And so they had to represent exactly what that person wants. So when we go to the Father representing Jesus Christ through his name, we're asking according to the will of Jesus Christ, not according to our will and our desire. And so we don't always know that what that is. So the Father says, ask. And he'll teach us what that will is. But don't, don't be upset, or, and sometimes we're alarmed when our prayers aren't answered. Um, but we're representing Jesus Christ, and we're going according to his will. So, in these last days, it says, um, he's spoken to us in his son. It's the way that, G, that God determined he would speak to us. He would send the Son into the world, and he was represented in Jesus Christ, and he would speak to us through him. He would make the Father known to us. He, this is how he would make himself known. All through the Old Testament, God was making himself known to people through the things he was saying through the prophets. And once in a while, he would show up in the form of a, of a person and speak with people. He spoke with Moses. He spoke with Abraham, and he spoke with others. They saw him in the fiery furnace with, with the three men. Daniel had a vision of him. But then God says, but in these days, he's going to speak to us in his son. And then it says, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. When Christ came on the, into this world, he represented God perfectly because he was and is God. While walking here as a human being, they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Like, 
Why would we listen to him? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He's from Nazareth. It's impossible that he, that he could be anybody of any um, respect, worth any respect or anything, because he came from Nazareth. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Like, isn't he just like the guy we saw grow up and he, he, um, he's the son of Joseph, the carpenter? That's what they thought of him as they saw him. But, but what we're being told here is that he was the exact um, representation of the nature of God. He represented God perfectly to us. Everything he did showed us who God is. And, he up, and then he says, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. Again, the writer of Hebrews brings out this fact. He's the one who's upholding everything. 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 So that means he's upholding you and I also. We're secure in him. He never fails at what he does. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. When he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So now he took on the form of a human being and he represented God to us then he went to heaven in the form of a human being and he represents us to God. That's the son. He took on the form of a human being. He represented God perfectly to us. Now he is in heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high and he represents perfectly humans to God. We are represented in him before God. He's our representation uh, to God. And then he speaks of how much higher he is than the angels. And he said um, in verse 5, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. This was in his incarnation. Christ never had a beginning, and the, the Son never had a beginning. We looked at that. He was there before the beginning. He's the one who can tell us about the beginning, because he was there eternally. He never has an end. But there was a point where he came into humanity and took on human form, and the Father says, This day have I begotten you, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him, not only humanity, but all the angels of God will worship him, the one who came in human form. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever. This is the Son. Of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever. He never ends. The Son eternally. and his rule will have no end. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And then he said to him, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And let's just look at one more passage in Revelation. 
chapter 22. And verse 12. This is the Son again. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is the Son now in heaven now with a human form saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's the beginner of all things. He's the end of all things. He is the sustainer of all things. And then finally, um, in verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The sun. We can't exhaust the subject of the sun in a few minutes, but there's much that we can learn. There's much more. There's a whole bunch of verses on the website. You would good, it would do well if you went through and just thought about each one of those verses that have something specific that they say about the sun. I just focused on one aspect this morning, but there's many things we, we, we could look at and, and see in the sun. But it's not an abstract topic to us. It's just not a theological topic, a doctrine that we look at. It's a person now, and it's, it's someone that we actually know. So when we're reading these verses, they have a personal meaning to us. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That's, he's the one we long to see, the Son. We want to see him. And he says, yes, I am coming quickly, and we want it to be quick. We want to see him. We're, we're longing to see him. We know him, but we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him in, in human form, and we know we're going to. The Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, is the one who's chosen um, to keep us and allow us to be part of of his body, the church, and give us this hope that we have, this what, what is called the glorious hope that we have. You know, as, as we live in this world, we have this hope, and it's in the Son, this glorious hope, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so many people don't know that hope that we have. So our job now, on, in this world is to make the Son known. Because when we make the Son known, people will know the Father. If they can know the Son, they will know the Father. That's what Jesus was teaching his disciples. If you know me, you know the Father. So let's make him known so that people will know the Father. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have made him known to us. Father, we thank you that he came into this world and took on human form with the express purpose of redeeming us, bringing us back to you. Father, that meant he would give his life, and, but that he couldn't be conquered by death or the grave. We saw that he rose again. And Father, we have hope in that because he is alive and we're looking to him. We're trusting him to keep us, 
We're trusting him that he will do the things that he said, that he will come again. And Father, we're waiting for him and we're looking expectantly to see him. Father, we thank you that we know him because now we know you. We can speak to you because he's opened the way for us. He's become that living way that allows us into your presence to speak and to ask and to talk with you. And Father, we thank you that he has represented you perfectly, that we might be able to see who you are, and now we know you. Father, as we leave here, just keep our minds focused on him. And Father, we just ask that we might grow in our understanding of who he is and who you are, and walk according to that, and bless those around us, because we are your people. We just pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you very much. It's been good to be with you this morning. Thank you.